Hello and welcome back to Miss Johnsy Johns. I'm glad you joined me today for story time. Today I wanted to share with you a song, or rather a poem, called The North Wind Doth Blow. You may have heard it before. Frequently in history, we'll see that poems were written to be sung, and such is the case for this poem. I'm going to pick three of the five verses. I will pick the robin, the honeybee, and the children. The north wind doth blow, and we shall have snow. And what will the robin do then, poor thing? He'll sit in the barn and keep himself warm, and hide his head under his wing, poor thing. The north wind doth blow, and we shall have snow. And what will the honeybee do then, poor thing? In his hive he will stay till the cold is away, and then he'll come out in the spring, poor thing. The north wind doth blow, and we shall have snow. And what will the children do then, poor things? When lessons are done, they must skip, jump, and run until they have made themselves warm, poor things. And a poem by Robert Louis Stevenson, The Moon. The moon has a face like the clock in the hall. She shines on thieves on the garden wall on streets and fields and harbor quays and birdies asleep in the forks of the trees, the squalling cat and the squeaking mouse, the howling dog by the door of the house, the bat that lies in bed at noon, all love to be out by the light of the moon. But all of the things that belong to the day cuddle to sleep to be out of her way and flowers and children close their eyes till up in the morning the sun shall arise. I love all of the words, all the beautiful descriptive words in that poem. So I will do my best to find a poetry book to put on my bookshop um, that includes some of these wonderful poems. I've had difficulty finding um, the book that I use. It is an older book. And it's just filled with the most wonderful poetry um, by Robert Louis Stevenson, Eugene Field, Lewis Carroll, Alfred Lord Tennyson, William Blake, um, William Wordsworth, and the list goes on. So I will, I will work on that for you. So our big story today is from the tales of Hans Christian Andersen. Hans Christian Andersen was a, um, a Danish author. And his story is quite interesting. And I'm, I'm not going to explain it today, um, but he, he was 
born into tremendous poverty and um, had just an intriguing and quite difficult life even. But he um, he rose to um, be this incredible creator and author and um, he is kind of the the symbol or bastion of, of uh, Danish literature. He also um, made big leaps kind of in, in children's literature and kind of changed the way that children's literature was um, being written. So this is from The Snow Queen. And we will read it in parts. It is quite long. But worth, well worth the read. Part the first, which tells of the looking glass and the splinters. Listen now, we are going to begin our story. When we come to the end of it, we shall know more than we do now. There was once a wicked imp, a demon, one of the very worst he was, the devil himself. One day there he was laughing his head off. Why? Because he had made a magic mirror with a special power. Everything good and beautiful that was reflected in it shriveled up almost to nothing, but everything evil and ugly seemed even larger and more hideous than it was. In this glass, the loveliest landscapes looked just like boiled spinach, and even the nicest people appeared quite horrible or seemed to be standing on their heads or to have no trunks to their bodies. As for their faces, they were so twisted and changed that no one could have recognized them. And if anything holy and serious passed through someone's mind, a hideous, sneering grin was shown in the glass. This was a huge joke. All the students who attended his demon school went around declaring that he had achieved a miracle. Now for the first time, everyone could see what the world and its humans were really like. They took the mirror and ran around to the four corners of the earth until there wasn't a place or person unharmed by the glass. At last, they fixed on a still more daring plan to fly up to heaven, to make fun of the angels and of God himself. The higher they flew with the mirror, the more it grimaced and twisted. They could scarcely hold on to it. Up and up they went nearer and nearer to heaven's kingdom until disaster. The mirror shook so violently with its weird reflections that it sprang out of their hands and went crashing down to earth where it burst into hundreds of millions, billions, trillions of tiny pieces. And that made matters worse, even worse than before. For some of these pieces were hardly as big as a grain of sand. These flew here and there, all through the wide world. Whoever got a speck in his eye saw everything good as bad or twisted. For every little splinter 
had the same power as the whole glass had. Some people even caught a splinter in their hearts. And that was horrible, for then their hearts became just like lumps of ice. Some of the pieces were so big that they were used as window panes, but it didn't do to look at your friends through them. Other pieces were made into spectacles. Imagine! The demon laughed till he nearly split his sides. And as we tell this story, little splinters of magic glass are still flying about in the air. Listen, you shall hear what happened to some of them. Part the second, a little boy and a little girl. In a big city, where there are so many houses and people that there isn't room for everyone to have a garden. And so most people have to do to make do with flowers and pots. In such a place lived two poor children. But these two did have a garden a little larger than a flower pot. They were not brother and sister, but they were just as fond of each other as if they had been. Their parents were next door neighbors. They lived in attics at the tops of the next door houses where the sloping roofs almost touched, a gutter ran along between. And across this, each house had a little window facing the other. You had only to step along the strip of roof to cross from window to window. The parents each had a wooded box standing outside the window. And here they grew vegetables and herbs. They had little rose trees too, one in each box, and these grew gloriously. The pea plants trailed over the edges. The rose trees put out long branches, some twining around the windows, some bending over toward the opposite bush, making a kind of arch of leaves and flowers. The children would often sit on their little wooden stools under the roof of roses and talk and play and spend many a happy hour. In the winter, of course, there was no sitting out on the roof. The windows were often thick with frost, but the two children would each warm up a coin on the stove, then press it on the frozen pane. This would make a splendid peephole. Behind each round hole was a bright and friendly eye, one at each window. These were the eyes of the little boy and the little girl. His name was Kay, and hers was Gerda. In summer, they could be together with a single jump, but in winter, they had first to climb all the way down one set of stairs, then up another, while outside, the snow fell fast. Those are the white bees swarming, said the old grandmother. Have they a queen too? asked the little boy, for he knew that real bees did. Yes, indeed, said the grandmother. Wherever the flakes swarm most thickly, there she flies. She is the largest of them all. She never lies still on the ground, though, but soars up once again into the black cloud. <laughs> 
On many a winter night, she'll fly through the streets of the town and peer at the windows, and then they freeze into the strangest patterns, like stars and flowers. Yes, I've seen that, both children cried at once, knowing now that it must be true. Could the Snow Queen come in here? asked the little girl. Just let her try, said the boy. I'll put her on the hot stove and then she'll melt. But the grandmother smoothed his hair and told them other stories. In the evening when little Kay was back at home and half undressed, he climbed onto the chair by the window and looked out through the little hole. A few snowflakes were drifting outside, then one of these, much larger than the rest, settled on the edge of the window box outside. This snowflake grew and grew until it seemed to take the shape of a lady dressed in the finest white gauze, which was in fact made up of millions of tiny star-like flakes. She was so beautiful wonderfully delicate and grand. But she was of ice all through, dazzling, glittering ice, and yet she was alive. Her eyes blazed out like two bright stars, but there was no peace or rest in them. Now she nodded toward the window and beckoned with her hand. The little boy was frightened and jumped down from the chair, and then he thought he saw a great bird go flying past. The next day was clear and frosty. After that, the thaw began. Then it was spring and the sun shone. The first green shoots appeared. Swallows built their nests. The windows were thrown open and the two children sat once more in their little roof garden. I'll stop there. That's a good stopping spot for us. And I hope you're intrigued because I certainly am. And um, there's plenty more of the Snow Queen. In fact, I will tell you that we have gone through, let's see, that was part the second. There are seven parts in total. Those, um, some are not as long as others. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you have enjoyed the Snow Queen and the poetry and the song. And I will look forward to next episode. Bye.